her, so she withdrew, giving the laughing girls a suspicious glance, and remarking that it was a bad habit to sit on beds. It always injured them. "'Do you suppose she heard?' whispered Mary Silver. "'No, I don't think she did,' replied Rose. "'Of course, she suspected us of being in some mischief or other. She always does that. Now, Mary, it's your turn to give us an intellectual treat. Begin.' Poor Mary shrank back, blushing and protesting. "'You know I can't,' she said. "'I'm too stupid.' "'Rubbish!' cried Rose. "'You're the dearest girl that ever was.' She gave Mary's shoulder a reassuring pat. "'Mary is excused this time,' put in Katie. "'It is the first meeting, so I shall be indulgent. But after this every member will be expected to contribute something for each meeting. I mean to be very strict.' "'Oh, I never, never can!' cried Mary. Rose was down on her at once. "'Nonsense! Hush!' she said. "'Of course you can. You shall, if I have to write it for you myself.' "'Order!' said the President, rapping on the table with a pencil. "'Rose has something to read us.' Rose stood up with great gravity. "'I would ask for a moment's delay, that the Society may get out its pocket-handkerchiefs,' she said. "'My peace is an affecting one. I didn't mean it, but it came so. We cannot always be cheerful.' Here she heaved a sigh which said the SSUC to laughing, and began. A Scotch Poem we crimson tippet willy wink, ways me drear dree and dra, a wayful thocht, a fearsome flea, a wother wind and ah. Sair, sair thy mither sabs her lane, her een her moo are what, her cauld kale hae the corby's tin, and grievously she grat. Ah me, the southering of the wind, ah me, the waysome mither. Ah, me, the bairnies left ahind, the shither, hither, blither. What does it mean? cried the girls, as Rose folded up the paper and sat down. Mean? said Rose. I'm sure I don't know. It's Scotch, I tell you. It's the kind of thing that people read, and then they say, one of the loveliest gems that Burns ever wrote. I thought I'd see if I couldn't do one, too. Anybody can, I find. It's not at all difficult. All the poems having been read, Katie now proposed that they should play Word and Question. She and Clover were accustomed to the game at home, but to some of the others it was quite new. Each girl was furnished with a slip of paper and a pencil, and was told to write a word at the top of the paper, fold it over, and pass it to her next left-hand neighbour. "'Dear me, I don't know what to write,' said Mary Silver. "'Oh, write anything,' said Clover. So Mary obediently wrote anything, and folded it over. "'What next?' asked Alice Gibbons. "'Now a question,' said Katie. "'Write it under the word, and fold over again. "'No, Amy, not on the fold. "'Don't you see? "'If you do, the writing will be on the wrong side of the paper when we come to read.' The questions were more troublesome than the words, and the girls sat frowning and biting their pencil-tops for some minutes before all were done. As the slips were handed in, Katie dropped them into the lid of her work-basket, and thoroughly mixed and stirred them up. "'Now,' she said, passing it about, each draw one, read, and write a rhyme in which the word is introduced and the question answered. It needn't be more than two lines, unless you like. Here, Rose, it's your turn first. Oh, what a hard game! cried some of the girls. But pretty soon they grew interested, and began to work over their verses. I should uncommonly like to know who wrote this abominable word, said Rose in a tone of despair. Clover, you rascal, I believe it was you. Clover peeped over her shoulder, nodded, and laughed. "'Very well, then,' snatching up Clover's slip, and putting her own in its place, "'you can just write on it yourself. I shan't. I never heard of such a word in my life. You made it up for the occasion, you know you did.' "'I didn't. It's in the Bible,' replied Clover, setting to work composedly on the fresh paper. 
But when Rose opened Clover's lips she groaned again. "'It's just as bad as the other!' she cried. "'Do change back again, Clovy, that's a dear.' "'No, indeed,' said Clover, guarding her paper. "'You've changed once, and now you must keep what you have.' Rose made a face, chewed her pencil a while, and then began to write rapidly. For some minutes not a word was spoken. "'I've done,' said Esther Dearborn at last, flinging her paper into the basket-lid. "'So have I,' said Katie. One by one the papers were collected and jumbled into a heap. Then Katie, giving all a final shake, drew out one, opened it, and read. "'Word, radishes. Question, how do you like your clergymen done?' "'How do I like them done? Well, that depends. I like them done on sleepy, drowsy Sundays. I like them underdone on other days. Perhaps a little overdone on Mondays. But I always prefer them old as pa, and not like radishes, all red and raw.' "'Oh, what a rhyme!' cried Clover. "'Well, what is one to do?' said Ellen Gray. Then she stopped and bit her lip, remembering that no one was supposed to know who wrote the separate papers. "'Aha! It's yours, is it, Ellen?' said Rose. "'You're an awfully clever girl and an ornament to the SSUC. Go on, Katie.' Katie opened the second slip. "'Word anything. Question. Would you rather be a greater fool than you seem, or seem a greater fool than you are?' I wouldn't be a fool for anything, my dear, if I could help it, but I can't, I fear. Not bad, said Rose, nodding her head at Sally Alsop, who blushed crimson. The third paper ran. Word. Maher Shalal Hashbaz. Question. Does your mother know you're out? Rose and Clover exchanged looks. Why, of course my mother knows it, for she sent me out herself. She told me to run quickly, for it wasn't but a mile, but I found it was much farther and my feet grew tired and weary, and I couldn't hurry greatly, so I took a long, long while. Beside I stopped to read your word, a stranger one I never heard. I've met with papistical—that's pat—but maher shalal hashbas—what's that? Oh, Clovey, you bright little thing!" cried Rose, in fits of laughter. But Mary Silver looked quite pale. "'I never heard of anything so awful,' she said. "'If that word had come to me I should have fainted away on the spot. I know I should.' Next came, "'Word, buttons.' "'Question. What is the best way to make home happy?' "'To me tis quite clear I can answer this right. Sew on the buttons, and sew them on tight.' "'I suspect that is Amy's,' said Esther. "'She's such a model for mending and keeping things in order.' "'It's not fair guessing aloud in this way,' said Sally Alsop. Sally always spoke for Amy, and Amy for Sally. Voice and echo, Rose called them. Only, as she remarked, nobody could tell which was echo and which was voice. The next word was Mrs. Nipson, and the question, Do you like flowers? Do I like flowers? I will not write a sonnet, singing their beauty as a poet might do. I just attest those on Aunt Nipson's bonnet, because they are like her, all grey and blue, dusty and pinched and fastened on askew, and as for heaven's own buttercups and daisies, I am not good enough to sing their praises." Nobody knew who wrote this verse. Katie suspected Louisa, and Rose suspected Katie. The sixth slip was a very brief one. Word, when. Question, are you willing? If I wasn't willing I would tell you, but when, oh dear, I can't. What an extraordinary rhyme! began Clover, but Rose spied poor Mary blushing and looking distressed, and hastily interposed. It's very good, I'm sure. I wish I'd written it. Go on, Katie." So Katie went on. Word unfeeling. Question. Which would you rather do, or go fishing? I don't feel up to fishing or such. And so, if you please, I'd rather do—which? I don't seem to see the word in that poem," said Rose. 
The distinguished author will please write another." The distinguished author made no reply to this suggestion, but after a minute or two Esther Dearborn, quite disinterestedly, as she stated, remarked that, after all, to don't feel was pretty much the same as unfeeling. There was a little chorus of groans at this, and Katie said she should certainly impose a fine if such dodges and evasions were practised again. This was the first meeting, however, and she would be merciful. After this speech she unfolded another paper. It ran, Word, flee. Question. What would you do, love? What would I do, love? Well, I do not know. How can I tell to you I'm more explicit? If twere a rose you held me, I would smell it. If twere a mouth you held me, I would kiss it. If twere a frog, I'd scream, then furies louder. If twere flea, I'd fetch the lion's powder. Only two slips remained. One was Katie's own. She knew it by the way in which it was folded, and had almost instinctively avoided and left it for the last. Now, however, she took courage and opened it. The word was measles, and the question, Who was the grandmother of invention? These were the lines. The night was horribly dark. The measles broke out in the ark. Little Jafer and Shem and all the young hams were screaming at once for potatoes and clams. What shall I do? said poor Mrs. Noah, all alone by myself in this terrible shower. I know what I'll do. I'll step down in the hold and wake up a lioness grim and old, and tie her close to the children's door, and give her a ginger cake to roar, at the top of her voice for an hour or more. And I'll tell the children to cease their din, or I'll let that grim old party in, to stop their squeezels and likewise their measles. She practiced this with the greatest success. She was everyone's grandmother, I guess." "'That's much the best of all,' pronounced Alice Gibbons. "'I wonder who wrote it.' "'Dear me! Did you like it so much?' said Rose, simpering and doing her best to blush. "'Did you really write it?' said Mary. But Louisa laughed and exclaimed, "'No use, Rosie. You can't take us in. We know better.' "'Now for the last,' said Katie. "'The word is buckwheat, and the question, what is the origin of dreams?' When the nuns are sweetly sleeping, Mrs. Nipson comes a-creeping, creeping like a kitty-cat from door to door, as she listens to their slumbers, and most carefully she numbers, counting for every nun a nunlet snore, and the nuns in sweet forgetfulness who lie, dreaming of buckwheat cakes, parental love, and pie, moan softly, twist and turn, and see black cats and fiends who frolic in their glee, and nightmares prancing wildly do abound, while Mrs. Nipson makes her nightly round. "'Who did write that?' exclaimed Rose. Nobody answered. The girls looked at each other, and Rose scrutinized them all with sharp glances. "'Well, I never saw such creatures for keeping their countenances,' she said. "'Somebody is as bold as brass. Didn't you see how I blushed when my thesis was read?' "'You monkey!' whispered Clover, who at that moment caught sight of the handwriting on the paper. Rose gave her a warning pinch, and the both subsided into an unseen giggle. "'What? The tea-bell?' cried everybody. "'We wanted to play another game.' "'It's a complete success,' whispered Rose ecstatically as they went down the hall. "'The girls all say they never had such a good time in their lives. I'm so glad I didn't die when the measles when I was little.' "'Well,' demanded Lily, "'so the high and mighty society has had a meeting. How did it go off?' "'Delicious,' replied Rose, smacking her lips as at the recollection of something very nice. "'But you mustn't ask any questions, Lily.' Outsiders have nothing to do with the SSUC. Our proceedings are strictly private." She ran downstairs with Katie. "'I think you're real mean,' called Lily after them. Then she said to herself, "'They're just trying to tease. I know it was stupid.'" End of chapter 6